Welcome to Allendale Market Talk. This is Greg McBride. I'm joined, as always, by Michael T. Lung. Hey, Mike, we have a big, big fiesta coming up for uh, for Allendale here. This is a uh, a conference coming up uh, that uh, we need to get people signed up for because we are going to give some great information. Why don't you talk about uh, what you're going to get out of this conference? Yes, sir. So this year for our winter 2021 or 2022 conference, it's going to be fully recorded. And that includes weather. That includes uh, Jeremy Dutch and Farm Legacy. That includes price projections for uh, cattle, hogs, grains. It includes fundamentals. It includes technicals. And you just get everything and you get it all recorded. So you can go back. You can listen to it. All those odd technical terms that I mumble you will be able to re-listen to and try and decipher. And really it just gives, especially with as much hysteria that's going on right now, whether or not people are going to be able to go somewhere or not, it gives you something that you know for sure is going to be happening. It's going to be released on the 26th, and you're going to be able to listen to it, and you'll be able to listen to it again, take notes, and send us emails with what questions you may have in regards to the podcast or in regards to the conference so we can get it back to you and get a full breakdown as of besides like we did in the past. You can ask a question, but there wasn't much follow-up. So mm-hmm. we'll be able to do that for you guys. And really it's just a lot of great information with a very volatile market, what's going on with inflation, what's going on with the long-term outlooks for grains and livestock and weather and really just – like I said, a lot of great information. So make sure you guys check that out. Give us a call, 800-262-7538. We'd be happy to run you through all the details. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest benefit from this is is it is pre-recorded. So it's not one of those things where you have to be sitting at your desk at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this year. So, I mean, that's that's huge to be able to have the, the time to, to be able to watch it on your own time and not feel like you miss something, especially with Drew, because that's a uh, that's a big one. We don't usually get to record his, so very good. Uh, you do talk about the hysteria or the craziness in these markets, and and let's talk uh, specifically about uh, weather uh, in these markets and what we've seen here recently with the addition of some rain in in South America. Where is this going to take us? I mean. It, I think you had mentioned uh, a while back that there was some rain that was expected uh, uh, as we get, went into the back half of January, the beginning of February. Uh, is this the start of that? It looks to be. The forecast that is for the back half of January looks to be flowing its way into the weather maps and remaining there. So if this rain does come, it is coming right at flowering for uh, Brazil's crop and should be continuing into the pod fill stage during the month of February. So much like we saw for our crop here in the U.S., we stressed this crop really well to begin with, Mm -hmm. and then we are giving it adequate precipitation when it is in flowering and pod fill, which showed us here to produce a pretty amazing crop. Yeah. Well, and, you know, one of the – one of the criticisms of uh, the CONAB numbers that were released uh, today, uh, with only dropping, you know, roughly two, two and a quarter, two and a half uh, million tons in in Brazil's bean crop, and like four and a quarter on their on their corn crop was, oh, uh, well, that was the the CONAB, which is the the Brazil USDA, for lack of a better term, 
uh, just kicking in the can. Well, the problem with that is not it's not a problem. One of the things that they have to realize is you haven't shut this crop down just yet. Just like we've seen in our own, like you mentioned, you get rain at the exact right time. It doesn't have to be massive amounts because we did. We sure as heck didn't get massive amounts this year. We just got it at the right time. That will salvage a crop. It won't necessarily reach its peak, but it definitely could uh, could bring in decent yields. And we also have to remember, Brazil is a huge country. They're a massive country and in a lot of different climate zones. So with the fact that they they plant for months at a time, there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fields out there that, like you said, are going to be flowering and and in pod fill. They've already started harvest in some of this area, but they're only like because it's such a big country, they're only less than like one percent uh, harvested at this point. So there is a long way to go on this crop, and we don't know. I mean, it could turn dry again in mid mid February, and and we could have some issues. But I don't think I don't think you can you can write off the crop in January just yet. Right. So there's there's a lot left to it and we right. don't know. Drew might know, so another reason to check out that conference. But. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um well let's uh let's let's talk a little bit about uh as we go into this USDA report because we have four USDA reports coming up uh uh this week and I outside of now that we've seen the CONAB numbers, I got to believe that the USDA is going to follow suit. A conservative uh cut to production in in uh our, in Brazil. Could they make a bigger, deeper cut in Argentina, or are they going to play that one safe too? That's a great question. It's something that historically they have been pretty slow until they get more confirmation in order to really get those good cuts. So maybe we see some kind of surprise. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the question of if they do make any big changes, does that mean that we're actually going to see anything changed on the U.S. side of things? Because we have at this point – a very big bean carryout yeah. number that is not looking like we are justifiably priced from a fundamental standpoint. Technically speaking, we got a nice movement, a nice uptrend right. in place. But on the fundamental side, we really need to see some good cuts to our U.S. any stocks number in order to say, yeah, we're we're justified in being here. Right. Well, with respect to, I mean, to Argentina and the concern for their crop, it's only been over the last couple of weeks that with the hot and dry bias uh, down there that we've seen their soil moisture start to deplete. Mm-hmm. And that's where some of that stress has come in. But we also have to remember they're planting still. They're 80, I think 83% uh, planted in corn. They're 93% planted in beans. So, yes, they're at the tail end of planting. But if if that's your case, it's still, I mean, the, you have to think maybe, and, and this is going to be keeping the rose-colored glasses on, but maybe it's a plant in the dust, your benzyl bust type mentality. I know the markets want to be bullish. I, obviously, the funds continue to come in and and they're they're what 80 ish percent of their their record long in corn uh beans they've they've start to build back up so i mean there is there is that bullishness in the market but right now i don't know that the fundamentals warrant this but you know you being a technical uh more technically minded 
is this one of those situations where this technical bullishness could outweigh the fundamentals for for quite a while here, like it did last year? It very well could. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's just money flow. So if money keeps flowing into this market and keeps propping it up, yeah, I don't see any reason why to say not to. You do have some good patterns on the chart that could get corn up towards its uh, highs, if not breaking them. Mm-hmm. You got beans that just went up and filled its gap on a more minor degree chart at 415 the other day, and so far has stopped. So potentially those have found some place of importance that you could see a correction off of. But if we do see any kind of big South American issue, we saw it last year. You very well could see this jump up some more and break that high and just see some stops hitting each other and rolling up as the market moves. So there is room to move, especially with how small of a long position they have in beans. Mm -hmm. They can make some interesting moves if they want to just eke out a little bit more, knowing that if they break contract highs, you'll probably see more people willing to jump in behind it and maybe be able to take profits in a little higher area. Well, and we we talked last week uh, about inflation. And, you know, it, it kind of plays well into what we saw today. Um, as we were waiting for the, the midday maps uh, to come out, we tend to see a little bit of a bounce in, in beans and, and maybe some follow uh, following in the corn. But at the same time, uh, Fed Chairman Powell was uh, speaking uh, in front of the Senate, and he, he was talking about inflation, and he was talking about uh, U.S. debt and all that, and all that kind of stuff. And we saw an interesting move that we haven't necessarily seen here, which was, as he's speaking, the dollar falls off hard, and we find buying into many of our markets, macro markets included. You had the uh, the crude oil was already up, but it strengthened up. You had the the equity markets, the Dow, the S and P, the Nasdaq were all lower before he started speaking then we saw this bull run uh to take them to uh to right now up you know a couple hundred points in uh, in the dow um and you're seeing this this swing you know the the wheat actually paid attention to what the dollar was doing for once and all of a sudden rallied as well um corn and beans rallied but we couldn't we couldn't hold it uh is that with the likelihood of them increasing rates in march is that what we would have to expect is that if you stem the tide of of this raging inflation we could see that dollar all of a sudden strengthen up and then push on the uh, push on the other markets again it very well could i mean at this point what we're really just trying to find is what is a new normal and we've really been trying our best with the amount of just black swans over the last what seems like year but it's been about three years at this point there's just so much unknown and the market hates it and then you have banks who have no reason to put their money on the sideline and collect interest because there is none so they're just leveraged yeah and you see interest rates rise and you know what i can't really meet that margin call the repo rate i can lend money to someone else and make more money overnight than i can having my money in the market so i'm gonna pull my money out right and then it gets that tumbling effect and then index funds it goes across the board yeah. so well it seems, it seems like we've seen these these black swan events 
you know, work in work in both uh, directions over the past. Well, I mean, what uh, since 2018 when the when the tariffs uh, were were put on, and we stopped. We essentially just stopped trade with uh, with China when it came to agriculture. Um, there were a lot of other uh, other aspects of it too, but. It's then we we see these recoveries and and you know you've got the pandemic that we're dealing with now you're you're talking about uh, you know Russia um, trying to retake possibly Kazakhstan or the Ukraine or both and what that does for for markets and um, you know I mean it, it kind of leads you to think well what's what happens if we go back to normal is there normal. You know, I mean, say that a lot about the pandemic, but where do these markets go to if they run out of this seemingly excessive funds uh, to to pump money into them? I mean, are we are we going to retest that eight dollar mark, that three dollar mark? Is that is that what's in the future? Two years down the road, three years down the road, maybe. It could be. I would have to say if you were going to be looking at that just from a technical standpoint, you're probably looking at a short-term time frame than two to three years down the road. If it's something's going to happen, it's you got a good potential for it happening this year. Mm-hmm. You have, since the low of 2020 taking place, you now have a two-year, three-year movement from some of those major lows taking place. And looking at it, it – very well could be this year, and you have a lot of reasons to expect it to be this year, whether it be interest rates, whether it be this hyperinflation talk, logistics, whatever the case is, you have a lot of reason for this year to be the year. Um, and then the question about when does normal come back into play, and that's a really great question because what is normal? We have and, a new normal. Right. So – after this round of volatility and you get this inflation and then you get the deflationary spiral, uh, potentially after 2023, 2024, we find several years of some normalcy. And then we jump into whatever's the next case. I mean, right. we have still the overlooming issue of what's going on with global currencies, what's going on with cryptocurrencies, what is next for the development of the world economy and that's clearly very intertwined. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of interesting things that will be figured out over the next several years. Right. Well, and that that you know that'll all bring us back to what if Drew at our conference and and I know he's on his speaking tour at this point, but what if Drew at our conference comes in and says, "I still firmly believe we are going to see." A wide, a wider spread dry pattern uh, that is now uh, now moving further into the Midwest this year, and there is still that potential because this is what he's been talking about now for I think almost two years. Mm-hmm. There is still that potential for it to even widen out even more in 2023. Now all of a sudden, are we talking about a, tw- a 2012 type drought that? jacks these markets even higher because mm-hmm. not know? only that but also the thought of potentially reduced inputs on yeah. top of a drought and then you got the idea of okay what does this actually mean for yield because we have a different genetic seed than we had back then mm-hmm. and now we have less input so 
realistically, I mean, we saw back in, what was it, 2019 with the heavy rains, these massive cuts to yield is what everyone was expecting. How wild does it get, and how quickly does that price action happen? Is it right. just limit up, limit up, limit up until we figure out that, okay, we probably overdid it? Yeah, or well, what, what, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or what's what's next? So, yeah, a lot of unknowns, a lot of fun stuff that's going to be taking place this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's it is one of those things. I, I'm I'm looking forward to. You mentioned all the all the things that we're doing with our conference, and I, you know, we're, we're just going to keep pimping our conference at this point. But <laughs> you know, we go back and and we've got a new feature this year with uh, Allendale President Steve Georgie. He's going to be talking about. The outside markets and he's going to be talking about inflation and all that stuff and that that plays directly into it you know with these inputs and all that stuff this this will have an effect on us there's and and we don't necessarily know you know obviously the uh how all, all of this correlates you know obviously you would think higher higher inputs or higher crude oil prices or any of that stuff would mean everything else has to go up but I mean, you don't dare cut back on your inputs when it comes to corn because then you know that your your yields are not gonna not gonna be there. Well, you may have saved money on your inputs, but you lost money on your on your yields. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. What happens if you know where does this take us as far as acreage as we continue to see these these elevated prices because we still do have a supply chain issue and we may not have you know a bunch of new paint out there new tractors new planters new uh new combines any of that stuff but we may have we may have issues with parts for the old stuff can we get it how long will it take how expensive is it going to be so you know even those those tinier input type things can have a play into what you do for a year Mm-hmm. So, yeah, be interesting, and and you know, obviously, uh, we continue to talk about this conference. We are very, uh, very excited. Mike and I will be speaking uh, at this. Mike's going to be talking uh, about the wheat uh, market this year, and this is one of those years where I think wheat has a big story and a big, a big role to play in what we do because of all the geopolitical stuff. You know, Russia is number one out there as far as wheat exports go. And they're making some moves. This could be this could be a very interesting market to, to watch. I mean, do you have indications of what this could mean as far as what it does to Ukraine or, or anything like that? I mean, you know, give us a little preview of what your what your thought process is here. Yeah. So going forward, we got a wheat market that has been in a very choppy upwards channel, but still very upwards in manner. And you had funds that are not willing really to hold the short position like they have in the past and then on top of it in a couple couple months at this point we're going to be seeing what does spring rains do for this winter wheat crop that's going to be coming out of dormancy and on top of it you have winter wheat seedings that we're going to see here shortly what have we actually done with the crop have we increased acres because forever we've been just decreasing acres and taking them away from wheat acres do we finally make that adjustment with this higher prices so there is going to be a good amount of things that are going on and how it goes about playing into this world picture because it's 100% a world crop. Mm-hmm. It's grown everywhere. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of good information, but it's it, there's going to be not only what does weather look like during the summer, but what does it look like this spring for this crop that's coming out of dormancy 
in order to say what's next for this wheat market because technically speaking it's still still dangerous to the upside for what we're looking at yeah and well and you mentioned that it is a such a world uh a world situation i mean it seems like whenever we get to get to this point of oh, Russia is going to do an export quota. They're going to cut back or they're going to limit how much they can they, they ship out. And, you know, uh, Australia was having problems there for a while, but then they end up producing a, a record or near record wheat crop. And Argentina the same way. They just finished uh, uh, with their wheat harvest. All of these things, every time we start to talk bullish, it all leads back to this is great for U.S. wheat because it means we're going to see bigger exports. That has not been the case. And and we continue, you know, maybe not this year, but we continue to, to dial back the uh, the wheat acres that we, that we plant. But it seems like all of these bullish factors never, never really translate to more exports for the U.S. Is the, I mean, is there a situation that we're missing is it a, is it a quality issue is it a is it a an actual type of wheat that we we just are not uh, producing what's the what's the situation there the biggest situation seems to come down to logistics we're just not there when it comes to competing with Russia Ukraine when you have them able to so easily get the wheat crop to Egypt mm-hmm. or to whoever needs it proximity yeah so that's one of our biggest issues but even with that issue much like we've seen out of crude and natural gas this year where they've been just skyrocketing, it's not so much that our domestic picture is so bullish as much as the foreign substitute market is rallying and we are following suit. So definitely something to be watching is maybe maybe we don't see the exports. Maybe we don't have the bullish picture over here. But the same breath, what is Paris Milling wheat doing? What is Russian wheat crop doing because if their markets are rallying ours will do so just on being a substitute product until we get back over a billion or 1.2 billion in in uh, domestic carryout and then we have to back off a little bit uh, we we start to be the anchor and weigh things down <laughs> mm-hmm. we do a great job so there's a lot that's going to be released there like Greg said he's be covering the corn beans I'll be covering wheat uh, we'll have Jeremy Dutch with the Financials Farm Legacy, Steve Georgie with Outside Markets, Drew Lerner with Weather, Rich Nelson with the Macro Environment. And we will be adding a technical presentation to it all that I will be hosting and trying to break down, giving what the technicals mean, why you use them, and just trying to decipher that a little bit better for everybody. So make sure you guys check it out. You can reach us here at 800 262 7538 or on the web at allendale-inc.com. But today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lung and Greg McBride. (laughs) Greg McBride signing off. You guys have a great one. 